Hello everyone, this is Pastor Dean Thompson with a word of hope. Naomi, when God flipped the script, and she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord had brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Ruth 1, 20 and 21. When last have you read the book of Ruth in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament? When last have you thought upon the characters in that narrative and considered their situations, their feelings in the context of their worldview and customs? I am thinking of Naomi, the matriarch in the story. It is not very often that when we read the book of Ruth, we approach the story from her perspective. But let us try to do that today. Maybe we could learn a thing or two. Let us imagine a very pleasant lady, Naomi. Her name means pleasant. She was married to a God-fearing gentleman named Elimelech, which means my God is king. They lived in Bethlehem, Ephrata of Judah. Bethlehem means house of bread. And Ephrata means fruitful. Together they had two sons, Marlon and Kilion. Marlon means sick, sickness or sickly. And Kilion means failing, pining or wasting away. Naomi's family met in some unfortunate circumstances. A famine arose in the land. There was no food in the house of bread, Bethlehem. And in his desire to take care of his family, Elimelech left Bethlehem and went to the country of Moab. The Moabites were descendants, descendants of Lot, and they occupied a region east of the Dead Sea. Was it a lack of faith that caused Elimelech to take that decision? Probably. But maybe he was doing as the patriarch Abraham did. He took his family to stay in Egypt when a famine arose in Canaan. But that decision exposed his family to another challenge. They had to contend with the Pharaoh's intention to make Sarai his wife. Thankfully, God stepped in. Naomi's situation took place during the days of the judges when Israel had no king. The tribes occupying the land were not united and there was no official organizing body or ruler to lead the nation in dealing with the national crisis at hand. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Imagine what Naomi's concern could be. Her family had to leave their home in Judah, which means praise, and go to live in a strange land among a strange people with different customs, different gods, and different values. Imagine the uncertainty of the situation. And she had very little choice in all that was happening. The decisions being made 
and the result of their of the, those decisions. While in Moab, both her sons took a wife of that country. Was she happy about that? Did she have much to say in that matter? Taking wives meant the joining of families. How much influence did the Moabite culture have on her two sons? Did they remain faithful worshippers of Yahweh? We know that during that era, the Israelites were constantly straying after other gods. Could this be a part of the reason why Elimelech took his family to live in Moab? Marlon's wife was Orpah and Kilian's was Ruth. They lived in Moab for 10 years. Did the famine last that long or had they decided to settle there? What did the rest of Israel do during the famine? How, how did they survive? Did all flee to an Eden country? Eventually, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died. Grief-stricken in a strange country. Well, at least she had, two, she had her two sons. Or did she really? During those days, a woman without a male in her life was at a great disadvantage. Her two sons then died. Now there were three frightened and grieving widows. She was hurting to the core, and she, she had two daughters-in-law under her charge. Could life get any worse than this? She was not able to take, take care of herself, much less these other two. This was desperation to the nth degree. Well, at least she could go back home to, to Bethlehem. At least she must have thought she would, still be a, she would still be at a disadvantage, but she would be among her own people. That seemed like a better option. She knew that would be a better option for her, but probably not for her daughters-in-law. They were Moabitesses. And she knew what the law said about Moabites. No Ammonite or Moabite, or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even to the tenth generation. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3. That is very clear. So she decided to send them back to their people. There was hope for them. They were quite likely still teenagers, these two daughters-in-law. They could possibly they could possibly find other husbands among their own people. So she urged them, Go, each of you, return to your to her mother's house. May Yahweh show kindness to you as you did with the dead and with me. May Yahweh grant that you find a resting place, each in the house of her husband. This was the hardest thing to do. If they leave her, she would be all alone. Imagine being lonely and grieving the deaths of your three loved ones. A desperate situation in a cruel world that was unkind to the plight of her gender. Could life get any worse than this? The picture the scene, she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and cried. Experience the emotions, the sadness the disappointment, the fearfulness, and the genuine care and concern for each other. Orpah left. 
but Ruth stayed. Naomi said the same thing to both daughters-in-law. One left and the other stayed. Why were their responses so different? One obeyed her mother-in-law and the other defied her. But the one who obeyed, it turned out, did wrong. And the one who defied, it turned out, did right. Strange. Naomi's aching heart must have felt some semblance of comfort when she heard her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law's response. But Ruth said, Don't urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. So may Yahweh do to me, and even more, unless death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. When you have found a friend, a brother, or a sister, who will stand by you through thick and thin, you have been doubly blessed by God. Such a friend is a rare gem. Then came Naomi and Ruth to Bethlehem. There was no small stir among the people, especially the women. Everyone was amazed to see Naomi. Some were looking on with great concern, and some were looking with prying eyes. So the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, all the town was stirred because of them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, You should not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for Shaddai has caused me to be very bitter. I went away full. But Yahweh brought, brought me back empty-handed. Why call me Naomi when Yahweh has testified against me and Shaddai has brought calamity upon me? Ruth 1, 19-21 Naomi was speaking from the bitterness of her soul. She believed that God was angry at her. And that belief, combined with the threefold grief caused by the loss of her husband and her sons, caused a storm of emotions that could not be veiled with polished words and fake smiles. She vented her frustration and her sorrow. You can just imagine that there must have been some feelings of embarrassment there too. Understanding the cultural mindset of the people, many of the onlookers would be thinking the very same thing that Naomi said. Yahweh has testified against me and Shaddai has brought calamity upon me. Maybe you can relate in some way to Naomi's pain, frustration, anger, and grief. Maybe you too have been through situations that have caused you to feel battered, empty, and hopeless. Maybe you too have encountered the criticizing stares and the condescending tongues. Maybe you have experienced the mockery that comes in the garb of care and concern, but designed to fish for information that they will sit and talk about, maybe even laugh about. Have you been there? Naomi was in a lonely, desperate, and dark situation. 
Her circumstance seemed hopeless and futile. But her story shows that God can flip the script and turn things around in a miraculous way. The situation that has been going so bad, he can change and make it all turn for your good. Do you believe it? Let Naomi tell you about it. Without a male figure in their lives, women in those days were at a great disadvantage. The custom of the Leveret marriage allowed for a woman to find some security through her dead husband's male relatives. The Easton's Bible Dictionary explains the Leveret law. I quote, the Leveret law, a husband's brother, the name of an ancient custom ordained by Moses, by which an Israelite, when an Israelite died without issue, his surviving brother was required to marry the widow so as to continue the brother's family through the son that might be born of that marriage. Genesis 38, verse 8, Deuteronomy 25, 5-10. Its object was to raise up seed to the departed brother. End of quote. Naomi herself had no hope of benefiting from this regulation, and it seemed almost impossible for Ruth as well, seeing that all Naomi's sons were dead. But there was Boaz, a not so distant kin. God allowed Boaz's and Ruth's path to cross brought them together and gave them a son who would turn out to be the grandfather of King David and an ancestor of Jesus the Christ. When we go to the end of the story, we see how the Lord flipped the script for Naomi and turned her desperate situation into a blessing. A blessing not just for her, but for the whole nation of Israel. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife, and he went in to her, and Yahweh enabled her to conceive, and she bore a son. And the women said to Naomi, Blessed be Yahweh, who today did not leave you without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be for you a restorer of life and a sustainer in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better for you than seven sons, has borne him. And Naomi took the child and she put him on her bosom and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi and they called his name Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Ruth chapter 4 verses 13 to 17. The hope and security that would have normally come through a son, God brought through a daughter-in-law, a Moabites at that. Naomi did not have a son to be her security, but she had a heathen daughter-in-law who was better than seven sons. Our God is the God of the impossible. He has more than a million ways of providing help for his children. What desperate situation are you faced with right now? Are you feeling cast down and discouraged in your soul? Are your emotions playing tricks on you? Are you battered 
bruised and seemingly left for dead? Have you been having tragedy upon tragedies? Hope in God. He is able. Hope in God. He will deliver. He will flip the script for you and turn it all around. Hope in God, my friends. Hope in God. Oh God, please bless your children. We have all been having a difficult time. Many of us are perplexed beyond description, weighed down with problems and battered from the onslaught of the enemy upon our souls. Our bodies are weak, our minds are messed up, and we are yearning for deliverance. Please, let your mighty hand intervene in our different situations and flip the script as you did for Naomi, as you did for Ruth. Please, give us a token of your love and set us free. Amen. God bless you, my brothers and sisters.